Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Congratulations to Tom Brady. You have won yet another award. You're going to need a bigger mantle to put all these on. You are the... Sports Illustrated Sports Person of the Year for 2021. And it's the second time he's won this, Steve Versnick. He won it way back in 20, I guess it was 2005. So it would have been 16 years ago. That would have been after uh, he won three Super Bowls in four years. Yes. Because it was the 04 season, the 05 Super Bowl. Cor- correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, so thank goodness that. Uh, that Brady can be honored this way. It's actually a really good story um, by John Wertheim, uh, who visited him at, at a yacht club near Davis Islands. Um, they actually have a, a video that's uh, attached to this if you go online. I don't know if you have a subscription. I know I didn't, but uh, I did manage to uh, to read it and watch it online. This interview um, takes place, and, and, and he's really, you know, Brady's great when he does these national interviews. He's great anytime you get them, but it's rare for us. But um, he talked about sort of, you know, why he just continues to play. And obviously the, the first thing is that he's really good at it. The, the sad thing is, though, that he doesn't, you know, enjoy it the way he used to. Uh, he has other joys about winning and, and watching other guys win. But it's different now because, you know, back when he was 28 years old, um, I don't know that he was married at that point, but. You know, John Wertheim shows him the cover of that Sports Illustrated. He goes, you recognize this guy? He's like, well, things have changed a lot since then. He goes, you know, I was I was single. Uh, I believe he was still single back then. He goes, you know, I didn't didn't obviously have three kids and a wife and, and all of that. Um, but, you know, from a from a physical standpoint, he, he feels so much, you know, so much younger than he is, actually. And, and I mean... This is in a year now that that this ward pops out. He's his team is nine. His team is nine and three, uh, tied for the best franchise start in history. The other other two times that they did that, they won the Super Bowl in two thousand and two season, and then in two thousand and eight, John Gruden started nine and three, lost the last four, and was fired. So I guess somewhere in there is the is the uh, mama bear. But so you're telling um, Bruce Arians not to lose the last five games? Is what that's what I'm saying. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, John Gruden had just signed like a, a three-year contract extension at the beginning of that year. Him and Bruce Allen, they both got a copy of the home game after that. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, my my advice to uh, my advice to Arians is first fix your Achilles, and then secondly, uh, don't lose the last four. In this case, it'd be the last five games if he, if he was going to run the table that way. Um, but no, I mean, you know, obviously Brady has different motivations for, for continuing to play, and he and he talked about you know, finding his voice here. A lot of the things that we have written in the past year or so are included um, in this story, but it is interesting uh, when he talked about why he still plays. This is my favorite quote from the story, and certainly you can get your SI subscription and read the whole thing. I'm not going to read it to you, but, uh, you know, as as for why he still does this, I mean, here's a guy that's, you know, been to 10 Super Bowls, what, won seven of them, um, probably the odds-on favor, well, is the odds-on favor right now to, to win uh, what would be, I think, his fourth uh, league MVP, I believe. And he says that the alternative, the specter of the alternative is, is what, as much as anything, that's why he's still playing. He goes, I imagine not playing. And I imagine watching football on Sundays going, these guys suck. <laughs> and I And I could do way better than that. And then still knowing in my heart that I actually could still do it. If I stopped, I think I'd have to find something else that I'm pretty good at. And I don't think that, you know, I'm going to be able to jump into something that has the same amount of excitement. That's it. That's it in a nutshell. Um, He knows he's better than everybody else. That's just a different version of the, I can't believe that team stuck with that MFR. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. You're right. Um, 
and and that that team being the San Francisco 49ers. I'm we convinced. <laughs> well, I listen, you'll never convince me it's not. It's just mm-hmm. it had you know, too many dots are connected and as you know, I've been a dot connector of of late. Um so I'll go ahead and say it, but I mean I think first of all, it was a discussion with John Lynch cuz I've talked to him about it, but Jimmy Garoppolo had just blown the Super Bowl for the 49ers, right? Had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. He needed one or two first downs. He missed wide-open receivers. He went 3 of 11 in the fourth quarter, and they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. All right? Against that backdrop with a great defense, Tom Brady was looking for a new home. The 49ers had committed to his former backup, who he knew wasn't any good, because that's why he's his former backup. And they had this big contract they had given him, but... He had blown a Super Bowl. How many Super? I mean, you know, would Tom Brady lose a game in in the final the Super Bowl that he that he led by ten in the fourth quarter? I don't think so. And so, this was his hometown team. This was, was you know the place that he would go. You know, from San Mateo to watch Joe Montana to watch Steve Young. He could have been part of that legacy of quarterbacks with the Forty ers I mean, think about that. How much would that have meant to Tom Brady to put that helmet on, you know, and play for that franchise with? with those trophies in the case and bring another one home to the 49ers, his hometown team, where his mom and dad are still, I think that was the team. I really do. But having said all that, yes, it is a version of, of exactly what you said. I mean that, you know, he knows he's better right now. Statistically, he's better than any, any quarterback in the NFL. I mean, think about that. Okay. There's only one team. I think what the Cardinals that have a better record right now in all of the NFL. Mm hmm. And right now the Bucks would be the number three seed. But he he personally is leading the NFL in passing yards and touchdowns. And not by a little bit, by a lot. And so, you know, you look at it that way and you go, well, yeah. I mean, how could you sit on the couch knowing that you have all that in the tank, right? Even at, even at age 44. So he plays on. And I don't, you know, Look, none of us know how long he's going to play. I don't think he does. You know, I think it's going to be a decision really made by Giselle more than Tom. But, um, you know, after the last Super Bowl, she whispered to him, what, you know, what, haven't you had enough? Or what else do you got to prove? Or something like that. So it's it's a matter of time, you know, and, and not much time. And and Brady knows that. When you when he talks, so he talked last week, and, and the subject came up, um, you know, with NFL Network and others that, you know, about his future. He goes, look, I don't want to talk about retirement, but he, he acknowledges when that question is, is, is put forth that he says, you know, I'm, I'm much closer to it than I've ever been. I'm, you know, now does that mean he's going to be 50? I think there's something about age 45 with him that matters. I don't know why he, he has said, you know, that I want to play on 45 and that sort of thing. But I think a lot of it depends on, how it goes you know uh mm-hmm. how he first how he feels physically that'll be the number one thing if 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 he were to suffer any kind of injury that would require surgery or rehab he's not going to put that in you know what i mean i think he's going to realize i don't it doesn't i'm not going to battle my my butt off to come back and play and hope i can play at the same level um i think that would signal it but if he's healthy you know you can go one of two ways you win a super bowl and you say well i've just won two in a row and I'm 44 on a good team, you know what? I could win three in a row. You know, what about a three-peat at, at this age? You know, my team is good. We, we, we're back-to-back Super Bowl champions. Would that make him more likely to come back? Or is he going to do what Jordan couldn't do when he hung the nets against Utah and say, that's it, that three-pointer, that's my walk-off shot, I'm done. You know, but, very few guys could do that. But one thing, if Brady were to win a Super Bowl this year, I don't believe anybody's ever won three in a row. No, I think you're right. Did, he didn't win three in a row, right? No, no, no. He's won three out of four. I know. I know the the Steelers won four, but that was in they, I think they six won years. What, two in a row, and then took the yeah. The yeah. Cowboys won three out of four. That's correct. Um, there's been lots yeah, of one. There's been back to back. I don't think there has ever been won a three peat in, in the NFL. Yeah. So there you go. Another piece of history, right? Another another thing for him to. You know, to get him up in the morning and, and, you know, eat his avocado ice cream or whatever the hell he does. So from that standpoint, um, the way Brady is built, he'd probably come back. You know, he'd have to convince mom that that was okay, but he, he'd 
he'd probably come back. You know? And and what else is he going to do? I mean, listen, he's got all the money in the world. He can't cut any more commercials, for, for goodness sakes. He's got a production company. He's not going to do broadcasting. He's not going to spend the time doing that, unless it was from his couch like Peyton Manning. That's possible. Um, you know, is he going to coach? No. Is he going to be an owner? Well, maybe. You know? Maybe ownership in building a franchise would, would um, and hell, he might have enough money to do it. Uh, that might be something that, you know, that, that interests him. Not as a GM, though. You know, he's not going to he's not gonna be worried about who's on a practice squad and stuff like that and building a scouting staff. So there isn't anything, certainly competitively, that that he could do, I think, that would, you know, that would come close to what he's been doing for 21 years. But. Anyway, I mean, it's shocking, right? I mean, a guy's forty-four years old, and he's on and he's on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He grew up with this magazine. He said he used to tear the pages, the covers off, and make a collage in his room and stuff like that. All the great athletes. He's a big, you know, sports junkie. Um, yeah, but he looks know, like man. he looks like he's twenty-eight. I mean, come on. Oh, he does. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> stupid. I mean, I listen. We should all we should all try what he does, right? I mean, we should all like drink all that water and and you know eat the almonds and whatever whatever the heck has, you know he's he's putting in his in his body or not putting in his body uh that we do but um but you know the the most amazing thing is not how he looks is how he, it's really how he throws i mean this is the thing like we've always said you know quarterbacks they they get better with age mentally right they know you know when you when you've got it all figured out and the game slows down the problem is you slow down you, you you know Ben Roethlisberger is going through this right. It's hard to watch him um, because he he doesn't have functional mobility. He can't he can't almost protect himself. You know, uh, and and there was a time when Big Ben you know wasn't a scrambler but could move well enough, and he was hard to bring down that he would shake guys off. You know, yeah. and continue going. Ben now is you know a sitting duck back there. And the arm strength is gone, and you know, those. That's when it's hard to watch, right? But usually the great ones, I've always found this, and it, 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 it seems, you know, it seems weird and wrong in a way. The greater the player, very often, um, they don't know when to leave the party. They don't. The, the party's always been about them, and they know when they put the keys down, they're done, and they can't pick it back up. I mean, it's like they stay. You know, until the lights are all on and they're sweeping up and, you know, <laughs> putting the trash bags out. I mean, they're still there, man. <laughs> and if they got to go find a party across the street, they'll go there. They don't know when to leave. And and you can say that about so many athletes, right? I mean, we've done this before. We've done this exercise with, you know, uh, whether it was Michael Jordan going to the Wizards or, you know, hell, Willie Mays with the New York Mets and, um you know, you think of all the guys, and some of those guys, by the way, weren't nearly 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 as old as Brady. Uh, Joe Namath with the you know uh, with the Rams and Johnny Unitas with the Chargers. I mean, all those players. Uh, Emmett Smith. I covered Emmett Smith's last game. Covered him in college. Covered his last NFL game with Arizona, and it was a brutal, brutal uh, day. They won the game, but it, you know the Bucks. It was just one of the worst NFL games I've ever seen. So. This happens. I don't think Brady's going to be that guy, right? I think this is his last team. Um, and when he does feel like he can't win or uh, if, if there's anything with him, his but but he's already said, it won't be because I can't physically do it. It'll be because I've you know it's time and I've got other things that are more important, like his kids, like his wife. Or he doesn't um, believe like the team around him can win. Or he doesn't believe. And, and look, this team next year is in transition. I mean, that's going to be a big story. Mm-hmm. You know, if Tom Brady stays... Let's say he stays, and there's going to be a lot of more um, salary cap room for everybody because that the new salary cap, you know, just went up about forty or fifty million dollars. Uh, because remember they restricted it um, going into last year, and that's what made it so tough about bringing everybody back. But you can't bring everybody back a third year. It's a lot like the Lightning in many ways. I think mm-hmm. they enjoyed playing with each other. They enjoyed that group, and they said, "Hey, let's do this. Let's do this again. Let's run it back. Let's try to." keep the band together and see if we can't do it again. Right. And that's, that's what they're doing now. But like the lightning, they couldn't do it a third year. They couldn't keep everybody for a third year. So you, you're going to have key pieces that you could try to hang on to like Chris Godwin, like maybe Carlton Davis, so on and so forth. 
But you're going to lose a JPP. You're going to lose maybe an Ndamukong Su who might retire. You're going to lose, um, you know, some of these uh, defensive backs. Carlton Davis maybe uh, may may decide to move on. Levante David's a year older. Um, You know, so there's so much that has to still be decided. And I don't know if Brady thinks, you know, I'm not going to have Antonio Brown. Uh, uh, Maybe Gronk retires, right? Mm -hmm. Is Gronk going to stick around yeah. forever? Leonard Fournette may go chase some money and go elsewhere. Lenny may get some money somewhere else, right? And 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 you know, so there's so many factors out of his control that you just you don't really know. And he doesn't. I listen. He doesn't know. So why should we speculate? Because I don't think he's speculating. Right now, he's worried about the Buffalo Bills. But anyway, that's enough Brady talk <laughs> for the evening. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into that. No, we we got more Brady talk in the, in the mailbag questions. Oh, actually. I'm sure we do. I'm sure we do. So we got the mailbag questions coming up more than we can even get to. We might do a couple days of these uh, or, or sprinkle them out throughout the week. Yep. Um, I finally got to my mail, had some more mean tweets. <laughs> mean. What are mean emails? Are they just mean emails? Is that what you call them? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, folks, goodness gracious, let up on your boy here. <laughs> I, I mean uh, – I don't answer all of them, but I did answer a few, you know. Um, had one guy named Skip. Nothing against guys named Skip, but, I mean, Skip. He, he actually, you know, what I like is is that if you get these and, and they call you names, which there's no need to get personal here. We're, we're all, you know, at least I'm a professional. You don't have to call me names. Um, when I wrote them back, um, I, did, I did so in, in a very, like, I, I, you know, you got to try to diffuse the emotions. Like, hey, man, you sound angry. Um, so I wrote him back, and then and then he apologized. I give him credit. Like he was like, hey, man, I'm really sorry. I was just upset. It's <laughs> like, geez, man. Now, no, now but, when you write them back, do you call him Sport or Chief or you know? Well, this guy, you know, I could. Fortunately, I could call him Skip. So <laughs> there's, I actually called him Skipper on the way back. Okay, I thought that yeah. would be more formal for him. You know, <laughs> hey, Skipper. You know. Where's Mary? Where's where's uh where's the little buddy? Where's you know? Where's Ginger and Marianne? No, I you know it's just it, it just is funny to me, man. That like, and I don't take any of this. Listen, I don't take any of it. I've been in this business for so long. Like you, you do develop a bit of a thick skin. My kids on social media, on the other hand, are like, Daddy, they really hate you. And I'm, well, not I, mean, I can't believe you'd report that when you work for the team. I know exactly. Like, why would I do this to the team? You know, there are people on the team that can't believe I reported this when I don't work for the team. I'm still waiting on my first check from the Buccaneers. When that comes, I'll, we can have a discussion. Um, but that's not the case. So, anyway, um, I won't read all those. But yeah, it was called some interesting names. It was. It was. It's fun. It's always fun. So we got some questions about. Uh, yeah, well, I'm real sure quick we too, we'll Antonio update. Uh, the Lightning had an exciting win in Montreal. First time oh my back gosh, there since was... the Stanley Cup final. It was a tremendous game. Like, I'm watching this with my girls and uh, my, my youngest one, who's just crazy about the Lightning. She goes to bed, uh, and it's uh, one nothing. Uh, no, it's 2-1. Uh, 2-1, to one. Two to one, I believe. Yeah, 2-1. Mm-hmm. to one. And it just the Lightning's just got they, – they just can't get another goal. I mean, it's like I think she, uh, she goes down about nine, so I think there was you know maybe half of the third period was left. Um, and then my oldest stayed up. And, man, what a finish. Um, they pull Vasilevsky, which they've done a lot this year, it seems. Um, they, they get the man advantage. Um, and then, boy, before you know it, they're up 3-2 in regulation and win the game. Yeah, they it's score crazy. was like 2.09 to go, and then like a minute right. and a half later they get another goal. Yeah, Beautiful phenomenal. goal by Andre Palat. Yeah, oh, Palat's goal was tremendous. Actually, the one that tied it up, Corey Perry. Mm-hmm. Corey Perry, by the way, hot stick, hot leg, hot – you just throw the puck at him, it's going in the net. And that's literally what Alex Kalorn did. And he went, what, the first 16 or 17 games without a goal, and now he's got yeah. six. <laughs> now, now he can't not score. Like, it's just – it's impossible for the for the puck not to find the net when it touches his stick or, or his body in this case. Um, yeah, and it was – you know, of course that happens, right? He goes back to Montreal. What happens? Corey Perry – you know, mm-hmm. big goal. Um, game winner, right? That was a game winner, I believe. No, Palat was the game winner. Oh, that was a tie. Yeah. That was a tie. Yeah, Perry okay. tied it, yep. So in some, in some respects, it was bigger than the game winner because <laughs> they were going to – the alternative was you you lose. But, uh, yeah, they were going to lose that game. Um, yeah, and, and Montreal's not good, right? I mean, Montreal's got a ton of injuries. No, Montreal's one of the worst teams in the NHL this year. They fired the general manager. Yeah. Uh, they went to the Stanley right. Cup final last year. They yep. fired the general manager. 
Mm. They are one of the worst teams. I think only Ottawa is worse in the Eastern Conference than them. And the, the Lightning were going to lose. Mm-hmm. They were going to lose to them, and then they didn't. Yeah. And that's why Montreal is one of the worst. The teams Lightning in the started what two, three, and one on the season. Yeah, it wasn't good. Since then, they are fourteen, two, and three. And that's a stupid record, by the way. Fourteen, two, and three. So you you've only lost two out of your last. I right, do the math for me. Nineteen, uh, nineteen, 19 games. So you've only lost two in, in regulation yeah. out of nineteen. That's that's incredible. You've gotten was it thirty one out of a possible thirty eight points? Is that what you said yep, earlier? In those nineteen games, yep. And here's the thing. They've had to rebuild their third line, right? Mm-hmm. Uh pretty much their fourth line. Mm-hmm. And they're and, and at some point, and there's and the rest of the league knows this, right? The rest of the league is watching them do this. Okay. 14 wins, what, two and three. And they all know one thing. At some point, Nikita Kucherov, one of the greatest scorers in the NHL, is coming back. And, oh, yeah, uh, Braden Point is coming back. And who else is out? They got uh, Chernak. Chernak's out right now again. Yep. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, they're they're shorthanded. I mean, they're – and not just their best, you know, good players starting in the front line. No. Some of the best players in the NHL, okay, potential Hall of Famers down the road, are, they're out of the lineup, and they're going to get them back. And they're still doing this and getting tons of, of, of ice time for all these young guys, and um, and they're playing well. You know, they're playing really well. So, yeah, I, they're going to be a tough out, man. They're going to be a tough out again. And it's never easy, right? But if a team's going to three-peat, they're going to have a look at it. They're going to have a say. Yeah. You know, kind of like the Bucks, right? No matter what happens this year in the NFC, the Bucks are going to have a they're going to have a say in what happens. Like we know that. Yeah, I mean, you know, then, you can't you can't lose the Stanley Cup or you can't no. win the Stanley Cup early in the year, but you can lose it. You can lose it. Mm-hmm. The Lightning now when they get through Saturday's game, they're at Toronto on Thursday, which is a big game. And then they're at Ottawa Saturday. That'll be the third way mark of the season, 27 games in. One-third of the way, okay. Yeah, so, I mean, that would be to 81, there's one extra game. So you're at the, the, the third way mark is this, at, uh, this weekend. Right now, you're 10 points ahead of the playoff cutoff mark. Not bad. You're in great shape. Not bad. And, and I mean, you know, this is all pre- – I mean, it's professional sports, so really it's, it's about – it's a war of attrition. It's about mm-hmm. injuries. I mean, for them, if they don't lose more – key players or have a catastrophic injury that a guy is out for the year. That's sort of the way the Bucks are. You know, the Bucks have had all these injuries, right? Mm-hmm. But they haven't come back and said, yeah, he's done for the season. You know, we haven't had one of those. And so, you know, that's what that's what gives you uh, even more hope while you're winning and, and, and you know that you're going to get mm-hmm. some of these guys back at some point. So that's that's important. All right, so we got questions. Let's do it. Uh, get this uh, knocked out, and then uh, we'll get going. All right, we'll start with Jim, who says, My question to you is in regards to Antonio Brown's suspension. For the first two games that he would be suspended, he wasn't going to play anyway, so how is that a suspension? I realize he will lose money no matter what, but shouldn't the primary effect of a suspension be to take the player off the field and force the team to play without his services? Well, I mean, it's one way to look at it, sure. Um, But by the same token... This is a this is a league where you do get hurt and you can't really predict injuries, right? So, I mean, it's without pay. That's first and foremost. So, so even though he's injured, um, there's a couple things that have to happen. One, and it's punitive, right? One, he can't be at the facility. He's not over there rehabbing. He's not over there training. He's not over there watching film in meetings. He is. When you're suspended in the NFL, you leave the building. Okay. And the earliest he can come back, uh, the first game is December 26th. So he'll be back in the building like that Monday, right, after they play the previous game. Assuming, I think it's on a Sunday, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, it is because they've had all their Monday night games. So so he'll be back, the, you know, the Monday before December 26th and not, not a minute earlier than that. And so um, there is sort of a, a separation that occurs. Um, and for a professional athlete, and for one especially that's going through injury, like you know, he's got to rehab somewhere else. Now, you know, I'm not naive. I know that the the Bucks doctors and trainers will be, you know, um, 
certainly checking in on him and making sure he's doing all all the things that they have him programmed to do and his doctors and all of that. But you can't control when a guy is going to get hurt. I mean, what if, um, you know, so if he's out for a season, do you just say, well, you know what, um, he suffered a torn ACL, so next year, the first three games of next year, he's got to he's got to sit out. Maybe he's not even, you know, on that team. I mean, it's just that's not the intent. The intent is you take him off the field. Um, listen, I and and this is just my per- I don't know what happened to Antonio Brown because. The, before he got suspended, they had told us the week before um, the this last game in Atlanta that they were they were like really confident he was going to play against the Falcons. They were, and then about halfway through the week, they go, "Oh no, uh, there was you know Adam Schefter here comes here comes the tweet. Somebody fed him the tweet. According to my sources, Antonio Brown will miss not just this week, but also the next week against the Buffalo Bills, and they knew it was a long injury." It's a heel, and so he's going to miss both weeks. And then the suspension came the next day. Okay, all right. So now, not that it puts any more money in Antonio Brown's pocket, but the narrative becomes, well, we weren't going to have him the next two weeks anyway, folks. So just so you know, he was out. So maybe he is, maybe he's hurt, who knows. All I, I saw him jumping around like he was on a trampoline or something the other day. Um look pretty good to me but you know that aside i i I know that it does it does make you know more sense you go well if he's not going to play anyway is that really a suspension well yeah it is um you know because because it's a it's a it's an injury league right you people deal with injuries all the time you can't kind of navigate around that so you just you dock them the pay you you tell them they can't come in um they're not part of the team they're removed from from their team. They're removed from their facility. They can't go to meetings. They can't meet virtually. They can't do any of that. They're just suspended, and that's punishment enough for a football player who's used to routine, who wants to be part of his team, who wants to help his team, even especially one that's going through injury. Because you know, you're going through injury, man. You you want other guys there with you that you know. You want your trainers. You want your facilities. You can't do any of that. So I I think that's. It's what the league and its its union have negotiated, so they have to be in agreement with that. All right, Paul emailed us and said, at this point, would you rather cut Antonio Brown and not win a Super Bowl or keep him and win our third? This is a hypothetical question, not trying to put you on the spot, but I know you took a lot of BS for doing your job. Personally, I would keep him and win the Super Bowl. I've never missed a game since 1976, and my me and my dad would cheer just uh, points when wins were not there. The Bucks have probably taken 10 years off my life expectancy, LOL. Well, 10 years off yours and about 20 off of mine, so good <laughs> luck, sir. Um, <laughs> first of all, I don't give a damn, okay? You're coming at it from a, a fan's point of view. I have not been a fan, um, can't be a fan, won't be a fan. Uh, sorry, it's part of my training you know, uh, and people always say like, "Well, how, that's not true." You, of course, you want them to win. I mean, I mean, you know, you, you you like sports, and don't you want people to read what you're writing? And yeah, I do. I root for my leads all the time, and if that means the best story is they lose, that's what I root for. <laughs> um, if there's some human element to it, right? Uh, I I just root for a good story, and and you know, we we do we 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 do the best we can to document what's in front of us, okay? Some of the best years journalistically, some of the best reporting I've ever done happened when the teams were just a disaster. I mean, the Greg Schiano years, you know, with Mercer and, you know, uh you know, just you know, Josh Freeman and the whole inactive suite and the, you know, there's so many weird things, right? That that sometimes those are the best stories that you could possibly write about a dysfunctional franchise. So it's not, um, it, it doesn't really matter to us. It's, it's, it's a little like, you know, and, and we, I've got an, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Jen Locke. She's a uh, uh, physician um, at uh, St. Joe's North up here. She actually runs the emergency room. And I've always wondered, it's like, how do you do it, right? Like you see, you see so much, right, that emotionally, you know, whether it's kids or, or, or you know, with, with COVID, I mean, it was like a war zone, right? They were going through hell. And and I'm just like, you know, how can you focus on, on um, trying to get everybody well and, and not get caught up in just the, the terrible emotion that just must be surrounding you and the grieving? And it's because of their training. It's because they have, they have trained, they have done this job, um, 
they've had to compartmentalize things. That's just, and I'm not comparing myself to an ER doctor. Let's not jump to conclusions here. Uh, what I do is is the toy department, right? Um, but it's not hard. It really isn't. And so, to answer your question, yes, I'm sure you would, and many of the fans that I've heard from don't care who plays for them. They don't. If he can score a touchdown and help us win a Super Bowl, we want him. We want him because we want to win. And so you root for the names on, on root for the the name on the front of the jersey, not on the back, right? You don't care. Um, I understand that. That's not the league, though. You know, the the league does care, and they have rules. And if rules are broken, then players aren't going to be there. So, as for what Bruce will do, I've said this. I'm on record saying it. I'll repeat it here. Uh, I think that 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 window passed. You know, the time to cut. Antonio Brown, when when you went into this whole thing saying, you know, he's down to his last chance, last strike, whatever you want to say, the time to cut him would have been right when the league said you misrepresented your COVID status. Or let's put it another way, you cheated, right? You got a fake card, okay? You passed yourself off as vaccinated. You sat in rooms with other vaccinated players who thought you were vaccinated. You got COVID, right, after two weeks, you could have spread that infection to, I don't know, Bruce Arians, who's a three-time you know, cancer survivor, 69. Maybe a Tom Moore, who's like 82, 83 years old. Thank God nobody got sick, but through no you know, uh, negl- uh, lack of negligence of your own. And, and that's why you're sitting out. So that's all that happened here. You know, I'll continue to say it. You know, we documented it. We found out about it. We reported it. And they got suspended. And when I say they, I mean Mike Edwards and um, you know John Franklin. If he ever has a chance to come back and play in this league, he's going to have to sit out three games. So um, it doesn't matter to me. And I'm sure you would rather not cut him. Guess what? You're going to get your wish. Antonio Brown, more floored than anything that has happened throughout this whole episode, including all the mean tweets, would be me sitting there and after three weeks – Bruce Arians comes in, sits down, and says, Antonio Brown's suspension is up, and we have released him. I don't see any scenario where that. I don't. I don't. And the reason is the same reason he's here, Tom Brady. Tom Brady is going to want Antonio Brown on that football field. He wanted him last year. He wanted him this year. And as soon as he's ready, okay, look who Tom Brady is throwing to. Now, obviously, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are two of the best receivers in the NFL. You know, I mean, Brady has talked about Evans as a, a future Hall of Famer. I'm not sure he's wrong, by the way. So he, he does make use of those guys. But beyond that, what are we looking at? Gronk. Gronk came back for him, right? Leonard Fournette. He wanted Leonard Fournette when he was released by the Jaguars, okay? Antonio Brown, when he's healthy, 5-0 and with Antonio Brown. He was off to a terrific start, okay? Those are Brady's guys. Those aren't Jason Light's guys. Right, those aren't Bruce Arians' guys; those are Tom's guys. So, yeah, I mean, Antonio Brown is Tom's dude. That's his guy. He brought him here. He lived at his home, and so what? You know, he'll serve his time. He'll come back, and hopefully, for the Bucks' sake and for Tom's, he'll be healthy. And if he's healthy and on the field, he he's a he's a huge difference maker because you can't, you just don't have enough good defensive backs to take care of. Gronk and Godwin and Brown and Evans and whoever's in the backfield and Leonard Fournette, you just don't have that many players. Tom Brady's going to rip you apart. And that's why in Brady's about winning. Antonio Brown helps them win. So, yes, I think he'll be back. Dick had emailed us and says, has Bruce Arians lost all credibility since he stated Brown would be gone if he screwed up again? Well, I think he's got to – Listen, um, I think he's upset. In fact, I know he is because there was really nobody. Um, you know, the first year that, that they had Tom Brady and they brought in Antonio and, and it was COVID, um, there was no vaccines, you know, and, and, and really the team that did the handled the, the virus the best and stayed safe was going to win. Um, a lot of teams had physician groups get infected, um, you know, Denver had to play without a quarterback. They were canceling, not canceling games. They were moving games from, you know, there were games on Tuesday. There were games on Wednesday. Um, you know, there were two games in five days. Like it was crazy. Right. 
because they were just trying to get every game in. But, you know, it, it, it's difficult. I mean, it's a difficult thing to do. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what to tell you except that I, I think – I think he plays, and I, I think that that Bruce Arians, even though he's mad, um, will will say, I'm predicting he will say this, that, listen, um, we don't think we're the only team that had this problem. The NFL is looking into it. I hope they continue to. Um, I'm mad at those guys for what they did, but they served their three-game suspension, and we're moving forward. And we'll decide on Antonio Brown at the end of the year but he's a member of this team, um, and we're gonna welcome him back. And he's, you know, he's got some apologizing to do to to his teammates and and the staff and everybody else. But you know, we're we're ready to move forward and win another Super Bowl. And I I, I don't know, I can't I can't imagine him in my mind th- him standing up there going, well, he did his three year he did his three games and we cut him. Like you, you could cut him now. You know, and and furthermore, I mean, we're assuming that there won't be any injuries at the receiver position for two more weeks, and and there well damn well could be. So all of that says to me he's going to be back. And and did he lose credibility? Yeah, of course he did. Do you care if they win a Super Bowl? What, what's that credibility worth? It could be worth a Lombardi Trophy. So you're trading your credibility and your good word for a Lombardi Trophy. Pretty fair trade. We're for some, yeah. I mean, what are they in it for? You know, they're in it to win. And if he's, you know, if the league allows him to play, if he hasn't done anything that gets him suspended again, then you can win with him. And that's what they'll be doing. So I I think I think Bruce will be fine with his conscience. He'll find a place to live with that, um, you know, however tough that might be. Sama had tweeted us, said Tom Brady left the Patriots after they cut Antonio Brown against his wishes. What makes you think he wouldn't leave the Bucks if his input is dismissed by the front office in Tampa like it was in New England? Or do we just not care anymore what Tom Brady does because he already delivered Tampa a Super Bowl? Well, again, things were a little different in New England for Tom Brady, which in part is why he's not there now. You know, you're right. I mean, that organization was not about one guy and it was if it was it was about Belichick and not Tom but you know that aside um you know that was the patriot way this is the buccaneer way and i don't think that that Brady first of all he's 44 years old okay is he going to have is he going to a third team do we think he's going to a third team i guess he could but i don't think he will and he's under contract anyway, so he can't go. He can't play someplace else unless he came to them and said, "Let me out." You know, I know I signed this deal. I want out. Um, there probably be some salary cap ramifications about that. So he's under contract if he decides to play with the Bucks next year. Um, I again, I don't see them. Show me where they said no to Tom Brady. You know, yeah, the Patriots had a situation where where Antonio Brown played one game. And then came out all the uh, charges. I believe that was not the tow truck driver. I believe that was the trainer um, alleging a sexual assault at the time. And he had been through, remember, there was a very close timeline between um, leaving the Pittsburgh Steelers, right, um, being traded to the Oakland Raiders, getting a new contract, burning his feet in some cryogenic chamber or whatever uh complaining that he couldn't use his helmet getting a fight with mike mayock i mean all that stuff happened getting released by the raiders going to the patriots so it was piling up on him okay and the patriots they they've had many examples of of players who had run afoul of everything um that they've come and and belichick is you know taking a month because he has that kind of cachet and they they fell in line um, in this case, you know, it wasn't worth the trouble. He was there one week or one game and a couple of weeks and one game. And they said, when you start seeing these headlines again, man, we don't, this is, this is not what we are about. You know, we don't need you to win. Um, and so they got rid of him. But what was, what was Brady going to do with, when that scenario, I don't see, I, you show me where they have said no to Tom Brady. 
they're not going to say no to him. So this is like, would he leave the Bucks? Well, no, he's not going to have to because, again, Tom Brady's going to get exactly what he wants. And I think that's going to be A.B. coming back and playing. I just do. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, Greg had tweeted us. Said there seems to be a concerted effort to get more production out of the third wide receiver position. Perryman actually had more snaps than Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson. Could this be an audition for Antonio Brown's roster spot in case they do release him in a few weeks? Well, it's a hypothetical. I don't think there's that. I don't think it's the, they're that deep and philosophical. We asked that question after the game, and it was very uh, striking to me that you promoted Brashad Perryman, who had only been here a couple weeks now. We're all familiar with Prashad. You know, the the last year of Jameis Winston's tenure here, um, you know, everybody got hurt at the receiver position. He got to play a bunch of games, and he went off. You know, I think he had over 400 yards in, in, in a run of about four games, um, you know, bombs away at Detroit and so on. I mean, the one thing about Perryman is he's a bigger guy, okay? He's a bigger body guy. He can run. He's a deep threat. And from what we heard, from what Bruce Arians told us, and I think there's more to this story. I don't know what it is, um, but I'm going to try to get to the bottom of it. But from what we heard, he had two really good weeks of practice. Okay. So now it's about practice. All right. Well, what about what Scotty Miller did a year ago? Okay. What about when A.B. was out at Green Bay in the NFC Championship game and, oh, yeah, Scotty Miller delivered the knockout blow at the end of the first half, biggest play of the season on offense, right, when he caught the bomb from Tom Brady at the end of the first half, okay? Or what about Tyler Johnson when it's third and long against New Orleans and you're, and you're losing and he makes a circus catch on the sidelines? Now, Johnson's had a chance to play when Miller was out, um, when Brown was hurt, and he didn't really produce much. You know, he had several games. He just didn't do much. Tom Brady is about trust, okay? And, you know, it's a week-to-week matchup type thing. Maybe, you know, I, I don't – to answer your question, I'm not sure how in the hell that Brashard Perriman, after being here only a few weeks and being promoted from the practice squad to the 53-man roster, finds himself playing like 58 of the uh, – 58 snaps. And Miller has like nine – and Tyler Johnson has like four. I don't know how that happened. Because it seems to me that in every sense, right, chemistry with Brady, sweat equity with the the organization, you know, however you want to couch it, right, those two guys were responsible for helping this team win a Super Bowl a year ago. And they're prepared to step into these roles when people do get hurt. But they went with a guy that had only been here a couple weeks, right? Now, you know, again, Arians had him. Arians knows him. He knows what Perriman can do. Um, But if he's that damn good, how is Detroit cutting him, you know? But regardless, he was out there. And, again, so much of this comes down to one thing. What does Tom want to do? Did did Brady see a situation maybe in practice where – he got some real good vibes and some real good synergy with him, and they thought, well, he also can help us in the run game. He can take some heat off of, of uh, this guy or Gronk, or you know, you can't single him because he's going to run by everybody. So that 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 moves the double team over. And that's, I mean, I don't know strategically. You know, I know Scotty Miller can really run. He's not, you know, those guys aren't as big. They're not as physical as Perriman, um, but they fell in love with him really quick, really quick to be playing that many snaps against Atlanta. So. We're going to get to the bottom of it, but I'll tell you what, if I'm Scotty Miller or Tyler Johnson, I'm pretty hurt right now. I'm like, really? I help put rings on your fingers, man. You know? But that just goes to show you it's it's a it's not a year to year, it's a week to week. It's a play to play league. You know, and there's always somebody else that's going to take your job. And I got to believe that 
you know, they thought for that game that Perriman was going to really help them. Now, he didn't do anything that I could see. He had a couple catches, but for that many snaps, you know, it wasn't like it wasn't like he caught 15 passes. You know, that was Chris Godwin. So um, maybe every week's different. Maybe Scotty Miller's a bigger part of the game plan against Buffalo. I just don't know. Um, I don't have a good answer for you, but it was interesting. I'm glad this is a really smart question because I'm glad that uh, somebody noted that. All right, Yasser had emailed us from Dubai. From the sounds of it, the Bucks will franchise tag Carlton Davis and use the fifth-year option on Vita Vea. I really don't understand what the upside is for doing that. The prices will only go up a year from now, and the Bucks can make the contracts more cap-friendly for 2022 with long-term contracts, a luxury the Bucks would not have with these standard-term options. In my opinion, they are the most critical pieces in the Bucks' defense now and in the future, a shutdown corner and a space-eating defensive lineman. If anything, their injuries just showed how critical they are to the entire defense. I mean, I can't disagree with a lot of what he said there. Um, I, I would say this, that, you know, don't forget about Chris Godwin, okay? Like, <laughs> if I said to you, Steve, or anyone really, you know, okay, straight up, you can sign one of these guys, okay? Not both, one. Chris Godwin or Carlton Davis? Go. Godwin. Absolutely. It's to me it's not that close. Look, I think I think that Carlton Davis is a very very good player. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate he got hurt because he might have made a pro bowl, right? He started out great, got this injury, his quad injury, knocked him out for a long time. Came back and you know what? He played fantastic the other night. Um, you know, he was on Kyle Pitts. He made uh, plays on the ball. He he uh, picked up a fumble, I believe. So instant impact, right? Made their made their pass be- defense better. And oh, by the way, it's funny when you lock down receivers and you have a lead. Now here come the five sacks. Okay, two each by Indamakansu and um, Vivea. So you know that's to say I really like Carlton Davis. However, did you see Chris Godwin? <laughs> I mean. If he's not a number one receiver on almost every team in the league, I don't know what you're looking at, right? And he does things that other receivers don't do in the run game. You know, he he'll he'll take on a defensive end, he'll block linebackers. I mean, he he does he makes grimy catches, he makes contested catches. Uh, now you could franchise him again, you know, one more time, uh, or you could sign him to a long term deal. I think they're going to try to make it so that both those guys are back. I think. I think it's possible with the increase in the salary cap mm-hmm. that you can keep a Carlton Davis. I think that's the key. Now that they know what the salary cap is looking like for next year, and it's more than we anticipated, it allows you to create mm-hmm. some more long-term deals. Absolutely. And, you know, it'd be great. I mean, you'd love to sign one of those guys to a long-term deal because if you do that, you can reduce the salary cap for next season and, mm-hmm. and amateurize they're selling signing bonus and all that stuff throughout the length of the contract, and it makes it more cap friendly. So that would be the goal on on all of them, really. You know, love to have a long term deal with Carlton, love to have one with Godwin. As far as a fifth year option goes, look, that guy's not going to be a free agent for another year. You just guarantee him the fifth year option, which is way less money than he could make as a free agent. By the way, mm-hmm. uh, they did it with OJ Howard. They've done it with other players. So. You know, they did it with... Um, well, and you've already uh, kicked some salary money down the road. Kicking his contract another year down the road doesn't hurt you because you're... No, no. And, I mean, they're, they're, you know, listen, if Brady, especially if Brady is back, I mean, these guys are going to want to play here, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, that's why they all came back this year. Now, there wasn't as much money in the system. I think that's why Leonard Fournette stayed. I think, you know, there will be money. There will be money in this in this system next year. The Bucks won't have a lot of it. They'll have enough, I think, to get their core guys back. Um, but some teams are going to have a ton of it, right? And if they, they, they can set the market much higher than what the Bucks can afford, and you may lose one or two. But if there's only one guy I can sign, I'm signing Godwin. And I just think, because I think he can impact the game um, more on, on more plays, more games than, than say, Davis. Well, now, Dave, you know, again, you can't minimize what a shutdown corner means. I'm not, not saying that. But I've seen them win without Davis. Um, I think Godwin's a special talent in this offense. He's the Larry Fitzgerald. He's the Heinz Ward. He's that important. So uh, to me, 
He could be, you know, he could be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame one day. Who knows? So to me, I think I'd go with that guy. I would buy Godwin's future over Carlton Davis's. By the way, I saw this uh, headline today, and I didn't really read it, but yeah. the salary cap has gone up significantly for the NFL for next year, and the Cowboys mm-hmm. are still $12 million over next year. <laughs> well, when you sign Dak Prescott to that kind of money, 45 mil, man, you know, that's a lot of cash. Yeah. So I'm sure they've got some players they'll move and, you know, lower that oh, yeah. stuff. But I mean, yeah. but they're already, you know, it went up significantly, and there's still $12 million over already. There's still 12 over. <laughs> wow. Uh, Brian had tweeted us. He says, is it automatic that when Tom Brady retires, Gronkowski will also retire? Or do you see Rob playing a year without Brady? Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't. I don't I don't see Rob playing now without Brady. In other words, Rob was fine in retirement. You know, the funny thing is, like, I, when, he, when, he, when he got traded here, they traded for his rights because that's what Tom wanted him to do. When that happened... I talked to his his father, Gordy. You know, and he's got like what three brothers, and they're all uber successful. It's ridiculous, right? Gordy raised these guys. They're just like, and they're crazy smart too. By the way, don't let the whole Gronk thing surprise you know fool you. This guy had like a you know a three eight or something like that at Arizona in business administration. I mean, he's really smart. Um, but his body felt great. He was having fun. He was doing all these shows, and Gordy said. To me, he goes, Rick, Rob does not come back if Tom doesn't doesn't convince him to do it. He said, you know, he got talked into it is what he told me. He goes, we all we all thought he was done. And and even though there were these rumors, we thought there's no way he's going to play. You know, this guy had all these surgeries and everything else. And he said, Tom talked him into it. Well, if Tom Brady's not there, there's no one for him to be talked into doing this. And I think, and, and the question I have is not whether he would continue playing if Tom quits. The question is, you know, will Tom continue playing and there not be a Rob Gronkowski playing? That That's what I don't know. And I'm not saying that, that you know, without Gronk, Tom is done. But, you know, I, I don't think it works the other way. I don't, I don't see him, I do not see him playing for another quarterback and going out there with Kyle Trask. You know, or Blaine Gabbert until Trask is ready. I I don't see that. It won't be as fun for him. You know, watch watch where the ball goes when it goes to Gronk. Watch the placement of these footballs. These guys have played together so long that they have this sort of clairvoyance about each other. But Gronk is never open, really. I mean, it's rare that he's like just running free, right? So. I mean the where you know the, the body language that Brady reads. I mean he puts the the football in places where only Gronk can catch it, and Gronk is talented enough and athletic enough to make these plays. I don't know. I mean he'd be great with any team, obviously, because he's a great player. But I don't know that he wants to learn another quarterback. I don't know that he you know this is the only guy he's played with in the huddle. So you know, I, again, I think I think they're a package deal. He got him out of retirement, and when Tom leaves, I think he'll leave. Maybe before. All right, Sonny had tweeted us. He said, who would be more likely to take over for Bruce Arians if this were his final year, Todd Bowles or Byron Lefwich? Um, well, look, from an experience standpoint, you'd say it was Bowles. He's been a head coach. You know, he had the four seasons in New York. He went 10-6 and six the first year. Then the last, last three were a disaster. Um, so you could go that route. Bowles is nearly 60, I think. You know, everybody respects him, so on and so forth. However, do you guys sense a theme to this? You're Stephen A? Right. However, um, but I digress. I think I think it would be Byron Leftwich. And I say that because... The same reason why Todd Bowles, there's a couple of reasons why Todd Bowles is not being hired now, right? Everybody knows Todd Bowles is a great defensive coach. And he didn't have success in his first go around as a head coach, but it was the New York Jets, okay? The problem is in this league, one, we don't have many African-American coaches. Two, there are very few that get a second bite of the apple, okay, for whatever reason. And three, most owners are looking for offensive guys, you know? Um, 
But staying here would mean most likely that you have a quarterback or it's Brady again, okay? Usually when you go to these new programs, it's because they stunk, they fired their coach, and they're in position to draft a quarterback, and they want an offensive guy to groom him, right? An offensive guy to sort of, you know, watch the maturation process and help out with that. And the thing about Bowles is he coaches defense, you know? Um, you say, well, so does Belichick, right? But but that's the outlier. You know, most of these guys that are getting these head coaching jobs are offensive play callers, are former coordinators, that sort of thing. And that's just sort of what the league is about now. It's, it's you know, fire the coach, fire the quarterback. Well, you gotta you got to pair those two guys up with somebody. You pair them up with a defensive coach if you're going away. Now, in, in Tampa Bay, their next quarterback is Kyle Trask, right? I mean, so we, we you know, we, we figure that you're going to have to do something with him. But I've talked to Bowles. Look, he's happy here. Um, he's not actively pursuing a head coaching job. If one fell in his lap, would he take it? Absolutely. Um, could he get interviewed again? Sure. I think the, the, if the Bucks wanted to, they could say, hey, whenever Bruce is done, our coaching waiting is so-and-so. You know, And, and I, I really believe that's why Josh McDaniel is at New England because he certainly could get interviews and get a head coaching job, but I think he realizes that when Belichick is done, assuming that happens at some point, um, that they're going to turn to to him uh, and make him the head coach of the Patriots, and all things being equal, he'd rather stay there. They may have to lose one of those guys, you know, because I would think after another successful year, there'll be a, you know quite a bit of uh, demand for Byron. Maybe not. The guy did not get a single interview last year, which was shocking. Um Bowles got three. He turned one down in, in Detroit because he felt like that was locked up, and so he didn't go. He could get some more next year. Um, but if you were just going to name a successor, if you were just going to say, clearly Bowles is the more experienced guy. He's been a head coach. It makes sense you would turn to him. I still think that Bruce Arians sees something special, really special in Byron Leftwich. The way he communicates, the fact that he's an offensive play caller, and at the end of the day, it's going to be what does the quarterback want? Does he want to continue on with his offensive coordinator? You know, does he want to lose that guy? Um, I don't think he wants to lose Bowles either. But Bowles has said, "I'm happy here. If I never get to be a head coach again, you know, I've made plenty of money. Uh, I love living here. I love coaching these guys. I'm okay. I'm good, right?" So from that standpoint, and, and, and look, Byron isn't rushed to do it either because the great thing about Byron is he's coming at it from the fact that he had a great career as a player, right? He doesn't have a timetable. He's not like, hey, I got to be a head coach by the time I'm 45, you know, um, and he's 41 now. So he's done so much in this game that, you know, if it happens, it happens. That carrot is not, that's not what he's chasing per se, Um would he do it if somebody, you know, wanted to hire him? Sure. And and like I said, you know, it's a travesty he didn't get interviewed last year. But what's going to happen to Byron is people are going to say, well, how much of that is you and how much of that is Brady, you know? Because, boy, the offense sure looks different now, you know? And did you call all those 13 pass plays on that first drive in Atlanta? Because that doesn't, that doesn't look like what you've been doing, right? Are those audibles at the line of scrimmage where there are really 13 passes called? Brady's going to deflect a lot of credit, you know, away from Byron Leftwich, right or wrong. But by the the trade-off is he's putting rings on his finger and his name is out there. And I, I think he's doing personally a hell of a job. So to me, especially if Brady's involved, if you want to keep Brady, you probably want to keep Byron because that's who he's been working with, right? Not that he couldn't work for Bowles, but then Bowles has to promote somebody whether that's Clyde Christensen, somebody else on the staff, you know, if if you were to lose Byron Leftwich. So best case scenario, none of them leave and and BA continues to uh, ride his golf cart and uh coach him up, coach up his coaches and, and they keep the band together. But it's gonna be interesting. I, I, I still do I guess I guess there'd be some hurt feelings like, you know, if you said, Well, this guy is the coach in waiting. But man, I might consider it. If I if I knew when Arians was gonna quit and look we don't know that he's looking to retire. I mean, would you retire if you've got that guy at quarterback? I wouldn't. I'd like to see how many I could win. 
All right. Well, we've got – listen, we got more mailbag questions. We didn't get to all of them, so we, we should just keep those. We'll answer those this week, uh, maybe starting tomorrow or at least later in the week for sure. So if we didn't get to yours, keep listening on Sports Day Tampa Bay. We will get to them, and those are good questions, all of them. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, Matt Baker will talk a little college football tomorrow. We'll have him. Uh, of course, we got the Final Four is set. All the bowl games. Jim McVeigh did it again. Did it again with it's the amazing. Outback Bowl. Every year. Every single year, great matchup. This year, uh, Arkansas against Penn State. I can hardly wait. Um, and so, you know, we'll talk all all things college football. Of course, a big coaching change at Miami. How about that? Boy, that was handled well, huh? Oof. Mario Cristobal going down there. Yeah, Maybe and really Diaz. none of those are handled well anymore, it seems like. Oh, the Florida one was handled fine. I mean. Florida was okay, but, man, that was messy down there in Miami now. Yeah. Well, I mean, That's it state- was basically – they were holding on to Manny Diaz in case they couldn't get Crystal Ball. I know, but what a terrible position to put him in. It's just awful. Although, you know, Manny Diaz took a job and 18 days later left it to go to Miami. So it's not like he has Oh, yeah. Done no, he's not the too. virtue. <laughs> yeah, he's not the virtue of uh, my word is gold. You know, and it's not like that. I mean, it is. there is some honor among thieves, right? I mean, these guys are all, all just climbing over each other trying to get a better deal. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll talk uh, to Matt about all, all the coaching moves and, of course, the bowl games coming up, and then not the least of which is your Final Four. I still think Steve Michigan should have been number one. I'm the only one that probably thinks that other than the big blue fans. But uh, you, could make an argu- see- you could make an argument either way, but they were never going to make Georgia-Alabama the, the, the semifinal match. That would never going to be the never semifinal. Gonna so right, if right, Michigan's right. number one, then you're going to make Georgia number four, and you're going to put Alabama that, at two. Right. And Cincinnati would have moved up to three. That the only way the committee would have done that because they yeah. were not going to make Georgia Alabama be a semifinal. And they couldn't rank Cincinnati over Georgia. They just couldn't. I, I don't think they deserve to be. Although Cincinnati's best wins a lot better than Georgia's best win. Well, true. But the, you true. Know, they were never going to. Yeah, Georgia was never going to fall below Cincinnati. And and right. look, I think Georgia's probably the better team than Cincinnati. I do too. You know, you, I do too. You know, the eye test for the season. Now, it doesn't mean in a, a matchup Cincinnati wouldn't win. And, you know, right. they played in the Peach Bowl last year and it was a three point game. Right. I don't count any bowl games that aren't for a national championship, though. You know that. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think you learn any. I, mm-hmm. there, I agree. Certain teams have different motivations. Some teams are like, wow, man, we win this mm-hmm. game and we're going to. And other teams are like, I'm so disappointed we didn't make it to the national championship. Let's just get this over with. Mm-hmm. And you got guys opting out and, you know, all kinds of stuff happens. So, yeah. Um, those those are tough, tough things to glean any information from. But um, but yeah, we'll talk we'll talk lots of college football. Of course, the Bucks are getting ready for their game against the Buffalo Bills. What a game Monday night that was, by the way. New England Patriots attempted two passes. No three, right? three completed. Oh two. three, completed, oh, sorry, completed two. My bad. Three passes were called, completed two for I think nineteen yards or something like that. Mac Jones, not wanting to throw it into the wind. By the way, one of the, the mailbag questions, and we'll just get to it real quick since yeah. we're talking about that game. Did you see the post-game press conference? I, I have seen it on the internet. I did not watch yeah. it live. Well, that's it what was I mean. A, I mean it was Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde were asked a yeah. question, you know, embarrassed by that performance, and they took a, a offense to it. Mm-hmm. And we actually beat up, had, had tweeted us and said, what are your thoughts on the interaction? He says, they might have responded better to a less antagonizing question after the loss to the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to ask about the defense and the mm-hmm. performance and, and the fact that they were able to run the ball. You knew they were going to run the ball. Was it How difficult was it to not be able to stop them, whatever. There is a decorum, I believe, to asking tough questions. I do think, you know, if you throw it out there like it's a gotcha, don't expect much mm-hmm. much in response. And this was a TV reporter, from what I understand. Was it Sullivan, I think, something like that? Yeah. Um, and... Nothing against TV reporters, but look, just because you have a credential doesn't make you a good journalist. Um, and and in some instances, and I, I think I wrote somebody with the Bucks, but I was talking about this. In some respects, he got exactly exactly what he wanted mm-hmm. because we're all talking about him or about it or about the question. Mm-hmm. And I felt it was uncomfortable, it was cringeworthy. I felt bad for the players. They didn't react well to it, nor nor would you expect them to when you phrase a question that way. Well, um, it, look, if they would have gotten beat thirty to ten, and you asked that question that way, it's yeah. one thing. You lost to a very good Patriots team, fourteen right. to ten, in bizarre conditions. Right. And and you know, as they said, look, we gave up one big run. 
That was it. I mean, yeah, they the, got a lot the of yards of them. against them, but I mean, you know, it's like it wasn't an embarrassing performance. They lost. They well, lost well think about it this 10. way: they ran the ball every play, right? Mm-hmm. All but three, right? Yeah. They still only rushed for like two hundred yards. Yeah. So it wasn't. It wasn't like they were they were you know running for sixteen yards a play. I mean, they, you know, as an offense, they didn't move the ball all that far, right? I mean, twice, you know, uh, they were down there in scoring position. The Bills were and just didn't just finish the deal. You know, they, they, they had a chance to go in and win the game. Mm-hmm. So it, let's say this. What if they had converted one of those red zone situations where they score and they win the game? Are we talking about what a genius Brady or, or what a genius Belichick is because he wouldn't let his quarterback throw the ball? You know, what were they going to do if they were trailing in a two-minute situation? Mm-hmm. They're going to say, hey, I know you haven't thrown any passes today, but we need you to throw it because there's one minute left and you have to throw it to get us down there and score. Right? Would that have been a genius move? So, I, you know, it's, it's interesting. But I hate, I hate seeing guys singled out like that. Um, well, ask the question, it. but you don't need the embarrassing part of it. It was, no, you know, hey, some... you gave up 200 yards rushing today. Yeah. You know, yeah, what just, do you think I mean, of the performance or what? Like know? I said, there's a decorum, mm-hmm. you know, about it. Like, you need to at least recognize what these guys have just attempted to do. In the worst, by the way, you know, the worst conditions. While you were up there in the press box eating a hot dog at halftime and it's nice and warm, <laughs> these guys are down here in an Arctic, like, blast, right? I mean, it's snowing sideways. It's, you know, the coldest it's been. The wind chill is ridiculous. And don't talk about embarrassment, you know. And that's, I, just, I just think the decorum is lost sometimes, the art of interviewing people. Um, you want to make them feel at ease and feel comfortable and you're trying to extract information. That, that's just going to close them up fast, so... I think that was more about the interviewer than the answer he was ever going to get. And a lot of times, certain people will do just that. They'll they'll want to get themselves on, on camera and to hell with you know what everybody else thinks or the player thinks. Watch this, and you know I see it a lot. But um, that's how I feel about it. I just feel you can ask the question. You need to have some decorum and don't expect guys to take the bait. You know, nor should they. Um, just be professional about it. And unfortunately, you can see that on Twitter everywhere today. And I think that's that's probably what that's probably was the goal in the first place. So anyway, uh great questions. We'll be back again tomorrow again with Matt Baker, talk some college football, more of your questions as well. The Bucks preparing for their game against the Bills, and we'll um, talk to obviously Bruce Arians and those guys out there. So for Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 